Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Rooted Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Panetta, and we are in studio today in downtown Salem, Oregon. Salem's home to our Leadership Institute, Groundwork, and uh, we're happy to be here today. We actually have our guests our guest here right now uh, with us, and so is our co-host, Salam Noor, and our guest today is Jonathan. And Jonathan is a managing partner at Castro Monroy uh, Financial Strategy Group. So I'll, I'll let Jonathan explain more about what he does uh, and a little bit more about who he is. But just want to welcome both of you. Salam, thanks for tune- being with us as always. Hi, Chris. Thank you. Hi, Jonathan. Jonathan, thanks for thanks for joining. Yeah, thank you for having me, Chris and Salam. Yeah, Jonathan, let's just, you know, let's hop in to to uh, our discussion today. Um, and let's just start it off with you introducing who you are, what you do professionally, you know, who you are and what you do is different questions. So please answer both. And permission, you know, I know that leaders like yourself, you want to be humble. You don't want to talk about yourself, but our listeners want to hear about who you are and what you do in the community. I think that you're a tremendous person and and just getting to know you, you know, the last couple of weeks, we had lunch a little while back. Uh, I think that you have a lot to offer and a lot to share. So please tell us everything that you do and what you're involved with and why. All right. So we're going to be here for two hours. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thank you for having me, Salam and, and Chris. Um, so again, my name, my full name is Jonathan Castro Monroy, originally from Mexico, Tulancingo Hidalgo. I came here when I was seven years old, so came literally to Salem, Oregon, and I've been here ever since then. So I'm tw- I'm 27 now. So uh, my 20th year anniversary is actually coming up in two weeks. Awesome. Uh, and I'll be in Arizona, uh, cel- celebrating my 20th year anniversary <laughs> of being in the U.S. Um, and a little bit about me. So what I do professionally is I'm the managing partner of Cash Monroe Group, where um, we're a financial strategist firm. And what that means is uh, we help people achieve their financial goals. And we work with a select group of uh, families and business owners uh, and help them with all their financial affairs. Uh, personally, I'm a father and that's probably the, the the thing that excites me the most. I spend a lot of time with my son. He's uh, here in uh, Salem, Oregon, and he's 10 years old, just turned 10. And uh, on a service level, I serve on various organizations. Uh, some of the organizations I serve as uh, board of, uh, as a director uh, Salem Chamber of Commerce, Chemeca Foundation, the Chemeca, um, sorry, the Chemeca Foundation, the Salem Kaja Coalition for Equality, and the Citizen uh, City of Salem Citizens Traffic Advisory Commission. They have long names, yeah. uh, and that's that's what I do from a community uh, service. I believe so long that you have to remember all of that. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. well, <laughs> right. Yeah, so. I believe in giving back. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of my achievements in my life were because people took the time to give back and invest in me. And I think it's my duty to uh, to do that. Mm-hmm. And I actually been uh, volunteering in our community since I was 19. So since I was 19, I, I started serving on boards and commissions with the city mm-hmm. of Salem. So I'm coming up on 10 years actually of of uh, dedicated community service. That's awesome. That's awesome. What what else? I mean, what else about you that uh, might be helpful to to know before we jump into a discussion? I have a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you told me that actually at lunch. Okay, yeah. yeah. So be careful. Yeah, I didn't get to I didn't get to tell you though that I I grew up uh, as a teenager. I loved uh, martial arts, so I uh, boxed and kickboxed. So uh, different different form of martial arts, but uh, but I loved what it taught me. So right, the discipline it taught me and everything. So, but you'd still probably kick my butt. <laughs> 
Well, I don't know. I heard the last podcast that you were a beast in football. So I don't know. I'll just stay away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had uh, my coach. uh, If you haven't listened to that episode, um, he's a he's a fun guy. So he was he's nicer to me than I deserve. There you go. (laughs) Well, well, Jonathan, let me ask you a question about your community involvement, and and you talked about the importance of giving back. Um, why? What do you get out of it? And and the reason I ask that because quite often when people get involved in their community, they do it at a later later stage in their life mm-hmm. or career. But you're doing this at at a time where you're probably super busy. You're a managing partner of an investment firm. You have a lot going on, but you think it's really really important to participate and engage in these community um, opportunities, uh, you know, structures, etc. What can somebody get out of those things as well, besides just giving back? Right. So it all started um, actually when I was 13 years old as a freshman in high school. And I went to North Summit High School. And at North Summit High School, there's a program which you might have heard called JROTC. Yes. Uh, they have the Army JROTC there. So the reason I went to North was because my uncle said, you're going there and you're going to do JROTC, period. Um, And early on, that uh, program um, really emphasized community service. At the beginning, I was 13 years old. Um, You know, what I looked forward to was going out and spending time with my friends out in the community and helping out, not really understanding the why. Mm -hmm. Why am I doing this? I'm just doing this because they told me and I get to hang out with my friends. Uh, so early on, I was taught that, well, I, I think initially I was kind of forced to go out and give back. But as time progressed, um, I started to realize the impact of of what giving back does to our community. Uh, as a young adult, uh, the reason why even through college I was giving back to our community was because I felt that, I mean, there's many reasons. For one, it's important to have voices from all corners of our community present in organizations that make key decisions in our community. Yes. And one of the things I noticed was that um, you, you kind of see the same, same, you kind of see the people from the same corners of our community showing up. And I felt that we need more, 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 more perspectives uh, at, at the talking table. Mm-hmm. And that's one, one reason. The second reason is the, the, well, of course, depending on the organization, the actual impact that you can make on people in our community that are less fortunate than one. And to me, it blows my mind how, uh, I mean, this is an article I wrote, um, not, I didn't write, I read about seven years ago, and, and it talked about the rich effect how sometimes there are people in the United States that, um, you know, have, have a pretty good life. Uh, and sometimes, and, and that's the norm, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't necessarily know how it is in, in the, the bad corners of our community, right? And I grew up in those bad corners. Mm-hmm. So um, through community service, you can make an impact on those less fortunate. And to me, that, that's satisfying um, because I was once there. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. How... Um... Tell tell me a little bit about tell us a little bit about you know this idea because I feel like you you emulate you know thriving because um, it, it sounds like the way that you you know you grew up it was more 
living to survive, right, versus living to to thrive, and and that was kind of how I felt when I grew up. It was uh, you know my parents were living to survive, right, just living paycheck to paycheck to give us you know food on the table and and a, and a roof over our heads. And a lot of people live that way just to survive. But there's a difference when we start to live to to thrive, and you know the way that you explain what you care about and what you do and how you help and give back. You're obviously thriving, right? And and so, can you talk to us about maybe that transition, or was there a noticeable difference when living became about not living so much to survive but to thrive? And now you're trying to give back to to the community and help others who are living to survive to begin to live to thrive. Does that question make sense? Uh, I think I know where you're going. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. Let's take a stab at it, right? So let's examine um, where I came from uh, and how I got to where I am today. So keep in mind, I, I'm i a DACA. So I crossed the border when I was seven years old uh, with only one pair of clothes mm-hmm. uh, and I almost died crossing the border. We actually got lost in the desert. And if it weren't for some Native Americans there in the Arizona desert, I may not even be alive. So I then came to Salem, right? And growing up, um, I always saw that, you know, that there that there's different there's different worlds in our community. You know, I noticed that there were people who have very nice, big, beautiful houses and very nice cars. And, you know, we were driving like a car that was like 20 years old. It was like, you know, 2000, we were driving a 1980s car, mm-hmm. right? And that was interesting. I said, huh, you know, as a young uh, kid, I said, um, you know, I want to have those things when I get older. And I don't see a reason why I shouldn't have those things as long as I uh, keep focus on what's important and act on what needs to uh, happen to help me get there, right? Now, throughout my life, I have been very blessed to have great mentors and organizations that are there to guide me and to uh, support me in being the best person I can be, right? So it's interesting because um, you know, it's, 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 you know, it takes a community or a village. I think there's a saying, right? It, it really is true. Um, I, you know, I can think back uh, right now and think of like 20 individuals that make an impact, made an impact in my life from when I was seven to when I was 20 years old, yeah. that if I did not meet them and if they didn't take the time to uh, meet me, support me, uh, maybe I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. So it's interesting because sometimes people say, "Hey, you're, you, you know, you're you're sharp. You you've done so well." And and I gotta say, it, you know, it's not original. <laughs> you know, it you know a lot of it has been people passing mm-hmm. on their um, you know their guidance. And also, I'm a big believer that it's important to. Um, to you know, if you have a goal, or or if you want, you know, you're in point, you you want to get from point A to point B, find out what the people who are already in point B mm-hmm. did, and that's what I did. Yeah. So early on, I wanted to make sure I take you know the right, uh, um, I take the right courses in school, and also take the the uh, right financial decisions to yeah. make sure that I accomplish what I want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and if you if you do, if you guys don't mind, I really want to zero in on this idea of people in your life, the mentors, because mentorship is a big part of our Leadership Institute. And it's something that I've been wanting to talk a little bit more about, especially in in a podcast. I think this is a great opportunity um, if we can maybe zero in and focus on that a little bit more, because I think that there's a lot to it. 
And I resonate with, you know, with, with what you're saying, especially when you just talk about like the cars and things, right? Because the same thing, my, you know, we drove a vehicle a couple decades older than the time that it was in. That's all, that's all we had, you know, uh, growing up. I think when I was finally in high school, my parents bought a newer car. It wasn't brand new, but it was at least a few years old. Um, but you know, I, I was used to driving cars that are, you know, were, were much older and, and, and that was just normal. Right. But I always thought it must be nice to have a new car. Right. And my, my family and friends, uh, laugh, mostly my friends laugh because my family, I guess, understands a little bit more, but my friends laugh because as soon as I graduate college and I, I, I finally get a, a great job and I'm working at the Arbinger Institute and I was doing a lot of sales and getting some great commission, I started to actually earn some good money. And for the first time in my life, I had money to where, oh, all the bills are paid and there's still some more. I can actually buy something. And, and so, uh, you know, I went through a few cars in just a couple of years just because for the whole for the first time in my life, I could, you know, get something that I, that I wanted. Um, and so I thought about that when you were sharing the story because I kind of had a similar, you know, experience. And, I, and obviously, I never wanted to lose sight of and I, I don't think I did lose sight of what was most important in, in life. But um, Right. And let me add something to that. Uh, keep in mind, this is when I was a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And, and also keep in mind that most people who come to the U.S. that are immigrants, uh, their primary reason for coming here is economic mobility, mm-hmm. right? So um, with that said, I, I got to just say, because uh, you know, I want to make sure our audience understands that uh, you know, money, finances is important, but it is not everything. Yeah. You know, I think that it is an important piece of our, of our lives, but I think you, know, you also have to add um, uh, health and relationships with our loved ones and spirituality. I yeah. think those are all important areas uh, that, you know, from a one to 10, we should be at a 10 if we're going to be a leader at the highest level. Yeah. And my, you know, my dad as well as immigrant to the country and he taught me those principles as did my mother, right? Especially because we didn't have a whole lot, you know, financially. And so they certainly leaned into teaching me right. the those other elements as what's more important in life. Right. Um, yeah. So going I'm back to your question, Chris, um, can you uh, uh, ask me again, the question about mentorship? Yeah, I just wanted, so I want to dive into, and I was going to lead into it, but I want to dive into mentors because yep. you, you becoming who you are today and having the mentality that you have now and, and, and the success that you found, you, you just credit it to, oh, there's a lot of people along the way that helped you do that. And uh, I think at our lunch, I, I talked a little bit about the people in my life as well. And I, I, I have to admit the same thing is, as I've learned so much from amazing people that I've been blessed and fortunate to be around. And some of them, I don't have any idea how I got to know them. I mean, even the people I work with now, uh, I have no idea why I'm here, why I should be here, why I deserve to be here. Uh, but I'm here nonetheless. And so I'm going to take advantage of learning from these amazing people. And, and from the mentor side, you know, they probably don't understand fully the impact that they've had on me throughout my life. But as mentorship is such a key part of our leadership program for that very reason is there's so much that we can learn from one another. And so you've already mentioned it a little bit of how much you've changed and learned from mentors in your life. But the question is just to expound on it a little bit more. Um, And and what was what were all of those interactions like? How, How were they similar? You know, how did you come across these people? How did you develop a relationship with somebody? Because there's probably people out there listening, thinking, I want to find one of those people. I want somebody like that. Right. So what did you do? How did you conduct your life in a way that led you to these people? Right. You know, I, I, ha- I have mentors from just different parts of, of, uh, of our community. And uh, each, you know, each one has just an interesting story on how I met them. You know, um, 
Well, I think first, I think we first have to realize or analyze, you know, where we are right now and where we want to be. Uh, And that looks different for everyone. But once we have that crystallized, once we know who we want to become, uh, I think the next step, or at least what I did, is uh, who is already there? Who in the community is already there? Mm -hmm. So let's say you're a brand new business owner, which I was seven years ago. Um, Who are some of the top business owners in our community? Okay, there they are. Okay, I I want to meet with them, right? Now, um, you you know, it's so interesting to me uh, when I realized how, at least in my experience, how all of these great leaders are so open to meeting with someone in meeting with, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, there's a saying that says, uh, asking you shall receive, right? Sometimes all it takes is ask someone to get together and just take it from there, right? But I think the first step um, starts with really crystallizing where you want to be in the future and finding out who's already there and meet with them. Yeah. It, I want to expand a little bit on that because the way you describe it, it sounds like it's easy. You know, it's just, right. I, that person is where I want to be and I'm just going to make an appointment and go meet with them. But we also know, um, and that's the case often with newcomers to the United States or immigrants or people from immigrant backgrounds, if you will, where they feel more comfortable talking to somebody that looks like them, sounds like them, has had similar experiences. So what I want to touch on is, is this notion of courage to actually seek out people that look different from us, that sound different from us. And we go talk to them and we have completely two life experiences, but we have something in common, which is a goal like you did in, in your case. So talk a little bit about that, because I, I actually recall having a conversation with some students at North Salem High School, a leadership group of students. And the, the notion that we need to find somebody that looks like us to talk to just kept coming up over and over again. And I, and I emphasize for them that if you're curious about something, if you're curious about someone, don't let your own sort of barriers get in your way. Go talk to them. Don't be afraid to talk to them, even though they may have had a completely different life experience than yours, because we can learn from each other. And you can also teach them something too. So two, right. two second plug before you respond. I just want to mention that we're, what you guys are talking about is outlining part of our framework in our deeply see section. Yes. Mm-hmm. First, first step is become rooted in, which is knowing your why, which you talked about. That's the first thing you need to know right. is understand yeah. your why. Mm-hmm. And then the, the second is what Salam said, which is dare to explore social yes. space. So mm-hmm. are you willing to go and, and, and meet people that maybe, maybe, you know, are, are different than you? Are you willing to explore the social space yeah. and, and learn uh, new things and learn people, learn from people, see people. So we're outlining that, that those two components of the framework right now. So yeah. I'd love that's ha- how that's happening organically, but go ahead and, and respond to. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, first go Vikes. I graduated from North Sum <laughs> yes. high school in 2011 <laughs> Uh, we, it's actually 10 years ago. Uh-huh. So, um, for me, um, you know, I, I, that was never a challenge. I mean, why would it be a challenge? At least in my, in my mm-hmm. view, um, I saw, Hey, there's someone that, um, has achieved what I eventually want to achieve. Um, uh, why would them looking different 
have anything to do with me reaching out, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, it is, you know, th- here's the reality. The reality is that the overall Latino, Latina, Latinx community is a young generation in, in the United States. Just look here in our community. How many doctors are Latinos, Latinas, Latinx? There's very few who, who, who are here in our community that, that can um, speak Spanish. How many commercial real estate advisors that are bilingual and Latino or Latina in our community? There's zero. How many estate planning attorneys are there here in our Mid-Valley community that look like uh, the Latino community? There's actually zero. There's none that speak Spanish. Uh, even my industry, how many people are here in, in our community that do what I do? There's none. I'm the only one. Uh, there are some, uh, but you know, they usually work for a company and you know, they, they're limited on what they could do for the people. So I, I guess you could say there's a little bit of representation, but as far as uh, truly independent, there's not a lot. My point is that uh, if you are a group of, of the BIPOC community, especially the, the Latino, Latina, Latinx community being the, the biggest minority in our community, th- there's not a lot of us that are, uh, that have, um, uh, that have, uh, the, the professional capacity to, to mentor the ones that, um, mentor the young generation. And a lot of it's just because we are a new generation mm-hmm. in the United States, right? Now, we have to be careful here because I think one of the biggest threats facing the overall BIPOC community um, is really political agendas. And what I see is that the, these young kids um, that feel, um, you know, I, you know, I went to North Salem, right? And I know some of these kids and it's very unfortunate what's happening, but essentially there's political groups who are using them to push their agendas. And that's all it is. You know, they're saying that um, you know, telling these this kids that the reason why they can't get ahead in life is because police are present in the schools, which I'm Latino. I was there. That's the biggest lie. Uh, they're saying that white men are evil and we need to not have any white men in politics. And that, that's a dangerous, dangerous ideology that in my opinion, um, you know, my focus here is to uh, do what my parents came here to do, and that's economic mobility. Uh, I then added giving back to others. But when we add these, these negative um, political ideologies, we take the focus away on what's important, and we start to put in our mind self-defeating ideologies. Mm-hmm. And it's very mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, yeah. When, parents look, when your parents look at you now, and they think back 20 years ago, um, what's their, what, what's their kind of impression, reaction, feelings? Do they feel like they've accomplished what they came here for? Uh, y- yes. Uh, I don't know about my dad. I haven't talked to him for like 10 years. He just disappeared yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm sure he'll be proud. Uh, my mom, she, uh, you know, she's grateful, but she's also scared. Mm-hmm. You know, she looks at the things I'm doing and she's like, oh my gosh, take it easy. You know, (laughs) you know, and, and even, you know, even like, let's say I, you know, I like, I like real estate. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I own several properties and she's like, whoa, why do you keep buying property? Stop. You pay them off first before you continue (laughs) buying more. I'm scared. Right. Yeah. But they're, 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 I mean, this is new to them. You Mm -hmm. know, they they never in their, in, in, in our families, um, um, 
history uh, has there been someone that's been able to accomplish the things I have for our family. But then again, that's why we came here. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's what the United States of America can do for someone. It can allow someone to start from scratch and end in and have that end be what they want it to be, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, that comes, uh, you know, through through the freedom we have and that allows people to get um, rewarded for their hard work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, just to bridge some of the thoughts that we're talking about, uh, I love that you, you know, you kind of brought up that this political ideologies start to polarize individuals and, 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 and it's almost like we're given, a lot of people are given what they should think about certain scenarios. But then this idea of mentors and how we have to dare to explore social space to, and for some people it's harder, for some people it's easier. For you, it was really simple. It's like, that's where I want to be. I want to learn from that person. Um, it made me think of a story with my with my dad, you know, this was back in the early 80s, but, uh, you know, when he was, uh, when he, they've moved from Hawaii and they came to the States, um, he's trying to find a job. Now, it was hard for a... <laughs> It was harder uh, for uh, a brown man uh, with a, you know, he's only got one hand, uh, you know, English is third language to, to get it, to, you know, to get a, a great job. So he found himself at Payless um, and uh, his manager, he told me this story not too long ago, but his manager um, was, you know, we would, we could call pretty racist. He thought he was basically hiring. He said he had to hire him. That's what he told him. He said, I had to hire you. Um and he basically told my dad he's expecting him to fail, that he'll be out of there pretty soon. But, you know, my dad has a great work ethic and, and just completely um, changed this guy's mind. And this man actually became, uh, you know, a mentor figure to my dad where he learned from him and helped provide opportunities and open doors for my, my father that he wouldn't have otherwise had. But it goes to what Salam was saying about finding people that look like you and learn from them, right? This guy didn't look anything like my dad, didn't sound like my dad, didn't have a life like my dad. But they ended up developing a friendship because, you know, he, my, my father was willing to, uh, you know, like you explore, ex- dare to explore social space and learn from somebody that might be very different. Um, and that was, you know, just a few years before, you know, I was born. But when I was, when I was born, my dad was, you know, assistant manager at the, the back of, uh, you know, Kmart and Payless in California. And we were living in, in Utah and he, he commuted weekly to get there because um, cost of living was too high to live in California. Um, but uh, I, this idea of mentorship and people that we can learn from, right. It, they don't just, sometimes they fall into our lap and that's great. When <laughs> it's an awesome person to learn from just happens to be in our life, uh, you know, take advantage of it. But oftentimes we need to seek them out and we need right. to, like you said, have a, a reason why we want to learn from them. Um, cause that'll, that'll guide us to the right people. And, and uh, that'll guide us to the people that we want to learn from, regardless of what they look like or sound like. They're the they're the people that we want to gravitate to to learn from. Right. We need mm-hmm. to be proactive, uh, and that's why I think it's so important to really um, crystallize what's your why. Because once you have that ingrained in your mind, mm-hmm. um, you know you don't even think about this little small barrier. Someone looks different from me, so I'm not going to reach out because your why is so strong that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get you there as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I was sitting in church on Sunday and there was this quote on the wall in one of the classrooms from a leader in our church. And I I loved it. And I've been thinking about it ever since, but I think it relates to what you're saying is the proactive part of it is it said, we shouldn't just uh, send something along these lines. We shouldn't just look for things that fill our cup. 
you know, we should look for things that light our fire, right? Because filling our cup is right. limited to yep. the cup. Yep. Uh, and but lighting the fire, it can grow, right? And and there's a lot of negative connotations with fire. I don't mean any of that. It's positive. It it can grow and right. spread. And we we do something about it where a cup gets filled and it's done and then it gets emptied again. And then you look for something to fill your cup. And sometimes we can go throughout life just looking for cup fillers. Oh, that fills my cup. I'm going to fill it. I'm going to go to the next thing that fills my cup versus what lights our fire. There's a proactive side of it. There's an idea of growth. Um, and, and And I love that about, you know, discovering our why and understanding and crystallizing it, like you said. I think it's a, a crucial piece. Um, uh, in your story and a crucial piece uh, in, in leadership. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to touch on that a little bit, uh, especially in the context of soil. We talked about uh, mentoring and, and how that applies to the framework, um, the two components that Chris talked about. But a lot of what we do in life is about cultivating our soil to be better people ourselves on the one hand, but also to create, you know, conditions that will make us happy as individuals, will make us successful as organizations. And uh, Jonathan and I had lunch yesterday, and as he was describing his why and his his vision for himself, um, you you talked about a lot of things, and and I almost wanted to talk about it as soil, but you know, you haven't gone through the the rooted uh, leadership institute the Groundwork Institute, and we do a lot of discussions around soil. But you described several elements, um, in my view, that make your life whole. You talked about family, you talked about relationships, you talked about faith, uh, you talked about you know specific goals that pertain to your business, but you also have some life goals and personal goals. Um, I just want to invite you to talk a little bit about that because you are highly accomplished as a as a businessman, but there is a lot more to life that you value that helps you be successful and kind of gives you balance in your life. Would you mind sharing a little bit with our audience about that? Yes, of course. Well, I think that in order to be a leader or achieve anything at the highest level, you got to take care of you. You have to take care of you. You have to take care of the mind, the body, and the spirit. So I believe that there are, you know, our life is multidimensional. Uh, there are aspects of our life that I believe are crucial to our existence, and they need to be taken care of. If they are not taken care of, you're going to limit yourself, period. Those areas for me and for actually a lot of leaders that I think almost every leader I've, I've been mentor, um, they, they, they make an intent, you know, they, they have uh, intentionality to improve in these areas. Um, those are health. You gotta, you have to take care of the body. You have to make sure you're exercising, making sure you're putting good food into your body. Because if you don't, you're you're not going to live a long life. And we even had this discussion that, you know, we look at uh, the leading causes of death in the United States, uh, heart disease and cancer, um, that, you know, according to many doctors, a lot of what fuels that is uh, how many processed foods we have in, in our society, right? Um, so for me, that's an area I want to make sure that, you know, from one to 10, I'm at a 10 so that I can live a long time and actually enjoy life, right? Because statistics today show that we are living longer, but we're living longer sicker, if that makes sense, yes. right? 
Uh, the second area, in my opinion, is finances. You you have to take care of of your finances because you know, and it's not to say money is everything, but it is it is a really important piece of our lives. Um, and the third area is spirituality, and that's different for everyone. And all, all of these things are, are different from everyone. I, I always encourage people to, you know, uh, where where do you want to be in this area of your life? Whether you know, let's go back to health. Maybe someone wants to be at a you know, lose, lose X amount of pounds and have this percentage of body fat. I don't know. It's different for everyone, but spirituality is also, it, it's key. It's, you know, you have to feed the soul in order to enjoy life at a high level. Uh, the other area for me is, um, uh, for, for me, community impact. You know, I want to make sure that my actions make our community a better place and I hope that when I'm no longer here, people were inspired because of that. You know, some some of the leaders I've had in my life, they're no longer with me. But, you know, their will still lives through my actions and how I live my life. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and so those are areas that I believe are important. And the other one, which is also really important, is our relationships. We, we have to uh, nurture the relationships with the people we, we feel are important. You know, for me, that's my my family, my friends, community members. I, I want to make sure that I'm enjoying them because sometimes, and, and you know, and, and the reason why I look at at life holistically and I intentionally uh, try to grow in these areas is because you could be out of balance. You know, I have clients who you know they're in their sixties, they worked all their life, built so much wealth, but you know they've been divorced three times. You know, they you know they, they don't have a relationship with the kids, and that's sad. I don't want mm-hmm. to be there. No one right. should be there, right? Uh, look at health. You know, there, there's people who, you know, eat, eat uh, burgers every day and processed foods every day. And, you know, their 40s, 50s have cancer or heart disease and they're taking so many pills and they're living a miserable life, right? Uh, Money is the other important piece. You, you know, there's people sometimes who, you know, don't have good financial habits and are not intentional about improving that area of their lives that they have, you know, they're broke, go bankrupt. And that's not good, right? So, uh, those are the areas I believe okay. are important. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I just thought of, uh, as you were talking, the uh, the Grant study from uh, Harvard. Um, it's one of the longest longitudinal studies that exist, um, you know, right now. And, and it's because it's, it's generational. It was started back, oh gosh, I, I think it's, Salam, do you know when it started? The Grant study at Harvard? I can't remember when. It's, I think it's a 20-year study at least, right? Oh, yeah, I think it's much longer than that because yeah. some of their first subjects have passed on and they're now studying their grandkids. Right. So right. It's, I, can't, I can't remember when they started. Yeah. I think it was around the time of the Great Depression. But basically, you know, over in the Massachusetts area, they, they selected a handful of young men, like boys. And now they've expanded it. Now they're studying the, the, the grandkids, both male and female of these, these individuals. But I can't remember the number, but they selected a handful all of these kids came from all over different backgrounds. Some of them were in poverty. Some of them were in wealth. And uh, the idea was to study what, um, I can't remember their exact question, but basically what, what, what causes success um, and, and um, that, was, that was basically it. What, what, what creates success? And they were anticipating how do people, you know, is there, is there something to when people make you know, how they make money and become successful. They're hoping to find something like that when they first started. Um, anyways, years go by, some of these individuals became felons. A couple of them actually became presidents of the United States. I don't, I, when I 
read the study. I didn't read who that was, but wow. so all these people became various different walks of life, professional athletes, you know, business people, drug addicts, you know, you name it. Um, and what they found was they didn't find what creates success. They didn't find what creates financial wealth because some people that had everything ended up having nothing. Some people that had nothing ended up having everything. And so they weren't finding any commonality on what creates financial wealth, et cetera. But what they did find, and this is what they're continuing to find as they do the study today, is what creates a sense of fulfillment and happiness. And they did find a trend in health, physical health. And it was people that had authentic um, friendships and relationships, close, authentic relationships. The people that had family and friends that were close to them that they could rely on and trust and they had positive relationships with them were happier and healthier, regardless of the amount of money that they had. And I, th I find that really fascinating, right? That there's not really a secret to overall success per, per se, but they have found in this long lasting study what creates um, a sense of happiness and fulfillment. And it's the relationships close to us, which you mentioned, mentioned that. Um, and so I, I love that you kind of lay those out for, for your life. I think that there's a benefit for anyone doing that. And then, you know, tying it back to mentorship, it's great to bring those things to a mentor Absolutely. to help you, yep. you know, grow in those areas. And that's something we try to do in our, our leadership institute that we're still trying to get better at. But essentially, what's your growth plan as an individual and as a leader? And we try to assign them mentors that will help them along that journey. And if, if at the very least that mentor becomes a thought partner, <laughs> then, you know, that's something, um, uh, because it's helping people, uh, have different vantage points, different perspectives, um, and learning from them and their life experience. And, and there's so much to be said about, uh, the idea of mentorship, whether it's formal or informal, there's so much that we can learn from other people around us that have been there before, have seen things that see things differently. I feel like that's one of the keys to how we grow and, and, and learn and become what we, what we need to become. Right. So it's really fascinating to me. Um, we're about, we got about 10, 15 minutes left. So, uh, if we want to use it and, and so I want to keep, uh, you know, on this, this topic, but now let's kind of shift it to what, what do we want to tell, you know, our listeners right now? Because we might have people like Salam mentioned uh, a bit ago that find it really hard um, to do some of these things that you've you've mentioned, um, and to go out and and find somebody to, to even define what their why is. Some people struggle with that, right? And then to like go find people to learn from that you can to help you fulfill that. Uh, and then we have people that excel in those areas. We have everyone on that continuum. So what 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 are some starting points for right. people? So I'll share some things that I found in my early years uh, helping a lot. And again, uh, I don't want to take credit for it. But, yeah, I learned it from someone or some uh, uh, educational video. Um, but, you know, I think um, there one of the, the programs or books that helped me a lot uh, was the 12-week year. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh, the 12-week year is essentially um, you treat every three months like it was a year. And you're super focus, you're laser focused on the goals you want to accomplish. Uh, but that's short on, on a short-term basis, right? Uh, when you go through a 12-week year, you first um, develop your vision. So for people who are listening, you know, let's say they're, you know, just close your eyes right now and, uh, you know, turn off the podcast and just take three minutes imagining uh, your life when you are 70 years old. What would you want your life to look like to make you feel like this was a great life, right? Whatever that is, that, that's different for everyone. 
right? Then you work backwards. Okay, if you're going to, you know, if that's the life you want, where do you need to be in the next five years, right? And that looks different for everyone. Okay, so the next five years you need to be there. So where do you need to be a year from now? Okay, so in order to get to that 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 one year mark, what needs to happen in the next three months to make sure you are on track, right? And then from there, you you know you you identify the goal, and then you identify the tactics that you have to accomplish day in day out. So it starts today, not tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? That helped me a lot uh, to really just um, write the you know the long term vision. Helped me a lot. Uh, the other thing that was very helpful for me uh, in connecting, you know, I, I never really had an issue connecting with people. Usually, if I meet you, you know, we we're going we're going to connect. That that that's never been an issue. But one of the things that that really, you know, that I can, you know, that I really took to heart that uh, I was taught when I was twenty was the following: uh, number one, wherever you go, always be sharp, look sharp, dress. Nice. Take care of your appearance. The reality is we live in a world that judges, period. I don't agree with it, but I think the statistics say that when someone meets you, just by looking at you, they're, they, they, they make a, in their minds, they have an idea of who they believe you are and what you're all about. And they make that assumption within less than five seconds, right? So I took that to heart. And ever since I was 20, I would and I engage in any community event, I wanted to make sure I'm the best dressed person in the room. That's just, you know, that's me. And it's interesting because when I was new in business, every networking event I went to, I was there to build relationships and meet people. But people were coming to me for business. I didn't have to seek them. And in hindsight, I believe that when you're dressed sharp, people just Think of you different. And he is sharp today. Salam and I are relaxed polos today. Jonathan <laughs> looks great. Thank you. You know, uh, so that's the first thing that really, you know, and this could be applied to any profession. The second thing is enthusiasm. You have to be excited. I mean, just think about it. Just the fact that we are here and we're alive and it looks like we're all healthy, that's a blessing. You know, there's a guy I met down in, in LA, he would always say, this is the best day of my life. Every day is the best day of his life because he's alive. And he was so enthusiastic about it, right? Mm-hmm. So the second thing is be enthusiastic, be grateful. You know, every day, um, you know, I, I think, sometimes I write, sometimes I think if I'm just too busy, to be honest, about the things I'm grateful for. You know, some are big things and some are small things. I mean, just the fact that we, we you know, we live in Salem. That's a huge, that's something to be grateful for. I mean, what if we were in another part of the world where there's war and death, right? That's one thing to be grateful. Um, and, and being grateful leads to being excited, in my opinion. So being enthusiastic uh, goes a long ways when you're out and meeting people. Now, I don't mean go out and just, you know, be super crazy enthusiastic, but be excited. You know, the reality is, in my experience, most people live disempowered lives. Mm-hmm. Most people don't have a lot of excitement in their lives. There's a lot of fog. Um, and when you come in and you're there to listen to them and to connect with them and you're happy and excited, genuinely, it, it, it changes everything. I don't even have to ask for business. People just want to meet with me because they want to meet with me, right? Mm-hmm. 
The third thing that I also found uh, was super helpful and I really took to heart as well. Uh, you got to be an expert. Whatever it is you do, you actually got to know what you're doing, right? And that leads to education. I think you never stop learning, period. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter what you do in life. You, you know, you have to keep learning. Um, and in my industry, you know, I, I mean, my industry changes. Uh, my focus changes even within our industry. So I'm constantly learning. And that's another thing I, I always took, I, I took to heart. You actually have to be an expert in your field. Uh, and those are three things that I took to heart before I started business. And when I started business, I did fairly well from day one. Uh, and I can attribute a lot to those three things I just mentioned right now. Can you mention those three things again? I have. Yeah. Number one, you got to be sharp. Got to look sharp, right? Okay. Number two, you have to be enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. Okay. So and attitude. 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 Yes. Attitude, enthusiasm. Yep. Third one is you have to know your stuff, yeah, right? You got to yeah. be an expert within your field. Yep. Education and Education. always learning. Always learning. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had to be sharp, be enthusiastic, be an expert, but um, you said something in the beginning that was, you know, start today, you know? Oh uh, yeah. So going back to, to the, you know, the, the framework of, you know, developing your vision, you know, how do you, you know, when you're in your deathbed, what would you have want to accomplish, you know, and then work backwards. Okay, so if you want to be there by the end of your life, where do you need to be in five years? Where do you need to be a year from now? Yeah. Okay, where if you want to be uh, in X, Y, Z at the end of the year, where do you have to be three months from now, right? And then work backwards to uh, developing the tactics of the goals that you need to accomplish to help you accomplish your vision. And those tactics, day in, day out, starts today, not tomorrow. Yeah. It, it's yeah. almost going back to what you said earlier, Chris, relative to the rooted framework. It's about it's about being or getting rooted in. Know your why. Know your purpose. Um, I think when I hear you describe that, Jonathan, it's it's more also about knowing yourself. Absolutely. Know who you are. Know who you want to be and what you want to be and to become, and have that be sort of your north star. Right. And I love the way you describe it. You know, what, what do you want to be or what, what stage in life you want to be at 70 and what does that look like? And then, you know, mapping backwards, which is like having a life plan. And right. it's one with purpose. When I hear you talking about it, it's with purpose, it's with intention, fulfillment and giving and giving and, and contributing and being a member of a community and being part of a community transformation process. Right. Yeah. I love your idea of start today. I thought of something I heard one time, can't remember who, where, who said it, but, uh, you know, and this applies to whatever it is that the vision that we have for our life, right. Whether it's health, financial, you know, giving back, et cetera. A lot of times we say someday, you know, Someday. That doesn't work. Someday I'll be healthy. I'll have good eating habits. Someday I'll have money. Someday I'll do this. Someday I'll do that. But what I've heard before that I really like is the path to someday leads to the town of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so we get nowhere if, if, if our mantra is someday. Uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. The path of someday leads to the town of nowhere. Right. Now, uh, let me just add, going to your initial question that led me to tell you all these things. Uh -huh. I feel that once you're a person with purpose and, you know, you look sharp and you have a great attitude and you know what you're talking about, you know, at least to, to some degree, um, it's not so hard to connect with people. In fact, people want to connect with you. 
So when you meet with someone, you want to engage in conversation um, and you know where you're going and you're just an all around um, good person showing uh, leadership qualities. You know, people want to connect. Yeah. Well, you project confidence. And, and I think that's um, where I think a lot of a lot of young people from certain backgrounds lack. And, and that's why I really would like to focus the message that Chris just asked you to respond to. And you outlined those three things by thinking about where you went to school thinking about the students at North Salem High School and okay. K High School in particular, and what advice would you give them to right. overcome whatever barriers they have? And we know some of those barriers are real and some are perceived. And sometimes as an immigrant, I will tell you, we get in our own way. So right. what advice would you give these wonderful, bright, young, talented students, let's say at North and McKay in particular? Right. Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is you need to have all the information in order to make an educated decision or have an educated perspective on anything. I think that there's a lot of agendas um, in, in our society um, that that are out there targeting such people. And what I would say, you know, what I see is that our, our young um, Latino and Latinas, they're being targeted by... Um, political groups with their agendas. So my advice to them would be, hey, you know, let's stop for a second and let's really analyze this. What's the other, you know, what, what's the other perspective to this, right? You need to have all the information in order to make an educated decision. The next thing is, uh, let's focus on what's important at hand. If you're a student, your only job is to get good grades, okay? Um, I went through the school system, um, I mean, I, I don't see there's personally, I don't see, I don't see any barrier for a student who is focused on school to not graduate with honors. I, I, I don't see it. And if there is a barrier, let's actually talk about it. Now, there are things that our, our system can fix and improve on. Absolutely. And we need to have uh, uh, open conversations about it. But the problem is when you add all these political agendas and, and they're, you know, they're more focused around pushing uh, the political agenda than actually serving the kids. I see it all the time. It's disgusting. Um, so that would be my, my advice to them. You know, okay, let's get all the information. Okay, have all the data. You know, let's look at all sides. And second thing is, okay, yes, get involved or, you know, speak out, but let's make sure you're taking care of the most important task, which is uh, your your grades, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when I when I was in high school, um, you know, you know my story. I mm -hmm. I crossed the border here. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know English, uh, and I noticed that there were there were students who were out marching, who were out, you know, saying that that the systems against them, that the, the world's falling apart, and I I never understood why, right? But then when I looked, and some of them were friends, and I looked at their grades, F's, D's. And I, you know, I, I, I had a, you know, I took AP honors classes. I never saw one of them there. I played sports, played varsity sports since I was 15 or actually since I was 14 in high school. I never saw any of them there. And 
the problem there was that their focus was somewhere else that ultimately was limiting them and and they were following self-defeating ideologies. And why? Because of agendas that were prioritized over their well-being. It's disgusting in my opinion. So the third thing I would advise, you know, this group of kids would be got to find a mentor. And I think, I think that it is always important to have diverse mentorship. Okay. You know, one of the people that took me under their wing was actually uh, former mayor, Mike Swine from the nineties. You probably yes. uh, know, know him yep. so long. Yep. Um, and, you know, he had a different perspective than maybe, you know, uh, Mike McLaren, who was someone I learned a lot from during my time as a leadership youth participant with the Sam Chamber of Commerce when I was in high school. And my take was, there's no one person or no one group that has all the answers in this world. There's good in everyone. And, you, you know, we should always be humble and understand that we don't know everything and take take the best from the person we meet, right? You know, take, you know, take the best, leave the rest, right? Yep. And that was always my approach. So that would be my other uh, recommendation. Mm-hmm. Get mentors, connect with people that have different perspectives and it will expand your mind. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. You know, we, we have to wrap up here soon, but just on that note of perspectives, you, you've provided um, just a, a phenomenal perspective today. And, and I think there's a, I use this word a lot, but there's many, there's several nuggets for anybody listening to, to take and to think about. And I do encourage anybody listening, you know, to, to consider some of these, these components, you know, those areas of our, our life that we should be taking care of ourselves financially, spiritually, you know, our relationships, uh, um, uh, health, our health, et cetera. And then those three, those three components, right. Be sharp, be enthusiastic, be an expert, so many things to think about, to reflect on, to seek to improve. Um, you've left us with a lot of that, and I, and I appreciate that. And, and I thought of one uh, quick story that I want us to end on because I think it speaks to this note of you know starting today. And and you know it's uh, kind of funny. You, like your mom said, she's scared a lot. Like you're doing too much. Uh, you know, right? Um, as I, I say it's funny because my my mom and tells me the same thing oftentimes <laughs> is you're doing a lot of you're doing too much right now. Um, uh, and I don't feel like I'm doing near as much as you, but, uh, I, I had this mentor in my life before, um, uh, when I was serving as a missionary, he was an older gentleman. I can't remember how old he was sixties, maybe, you know, so older than me, right. Much older than me when I was a missionary and 19, 20 years old. Uh, and he, we called him elder hunt and, uh, him and his wife were just amazing to us. Uh, we'd go eat there on Sundays and everything and they'd take care of us. But, uh, he told us a story one Sunday. He said, that just a few years ago, before his dad passed away, his dad was in a senior home and he would go visit him daily, you know, try to get over there daily. And he said one day he gets there and his dad was, uh, you know, laying on the bed and he saw him come in. And so he sits up, but he's, you know, kind of slow to get up. And he finally sitting on the side of the bed and he has this big kind of sigh like, ah, you know, and uh, Elder Hunt says, dad, what's what's wrong, man? Are things kind of kind of going too slow for you here? you know, at the, at the home. And he said, no, it's the exact opposite. He said, life has gone by so fast that I haven't been able to do a fraction of the things that I wanted to do. 
Um, and I'll never forget that little story, right? Now here's this, uh, this guy who's lived a full life, has tons of experience, and that's what he's saying is life has gone by too fast that he didn't get to do the things that he wanted to do. And so Elder Hunt told us, he's like, you guys need to discover what you want to do. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're a missionary right now, but what do you want to do with your life when you're, when you're back and then go after it? And I'll, you know, I'll never forget that bit of mentorship again. And that whole, that whole, in, the impact that it had on me came from mentors, which we've been talking about. And so these mentors and these people in our life that we have the opportunity to learn from are so important. So I ask listeners to apply some of the principles that Jonathan's talked about today, but to find mentors. Who do, who do you want to become or be, be like? Uh, what do you want, what do you want to do? Who's doing it and go find them and, and ask, um, for their mentorship. Um, and I think that, that you will find, um, even if you're, even if you're on your latter half of life and well seasoned, um, there's still a quality, there's still a huge benefit in learning from those around you. Um, people that have figured something out, uh, go and learn from them. So that's what I leave, uh, with, with listeners. Salam, anything you want to add to that? No, I, I think, um, that's a great way to, to summarize this wonderful conversation we've been having. And just thank you, Jonathan, for sharing your life experience and story with us. And I believe it will inspire many. And I hope especially younger kids that may have similar backgrounds and experiences like yours. Right. Well, hey, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Salam. And another thing to note is that I'm surprised, but a lot of my mentors also have mentors and they've achieved success at the highest level. Never stop learning. So. Uh, my, uh, my, my words to the audience would be, you know, whenever I listen to a podcast or watch a video, I always try to at least take away one thing that I can actually apply. And, and as long as I take one thing that I can take action on, my time was well spent. Yeah. So thank and you. And I think today we've offered several things for people to think, to think about, and that's due to your, what you brought to the table today. So I appreciate it. Um, uh, but with that, we'll we'll close. So appreciate everybody for tuning in. Thank our guests and Salam, our co-hosts, for being here. And uh, until next time, be safe. 